Welcome to week six of Moose's Mulligans. I'm your host, Alex Dryzak. A great week in sports where we got to see Brooks Kupka take the U.S. Open in golf. We watched the Yankees slide, Cleveland rise, Milwaukee stay ahead in the Central, and the NLS show they're still the best division in baseball. Well, at least the top three teams. Padres and Giants haven't had much to write home about. Now, the NBA draft did happen, too, but we'll be getting into that later. First, we're going to start you off with our past mulligan. Now back to this breaking news. On June 19th in 2000, Tiger Woods shot what is arguably the greatest four days of golf ever. Tiger shot a U.S. Open record 12 under and won by a record 15 strokes, which is the largest margin of victory in any major. And Tiger Woods is the 100th U.S. Open champion in history. And, you know, I highly recommend going back and looking at the highlights from this event. Now seeing Tiger Woods is ranked number 945 in the world, it just shows how far we've come. And honestly, I miss those days when it just, even though it was a runaway, it was exciting because it was just watching Tiger play so much better than anyone else had ever. It was a different kind of excitement than two golfers going back at it in the playoffs, but it was an excitement we may never see again. And we'll talk about that later on the show. Just a reminder of what Tiger Woods has done up to his age 41 now. With 14 major championship wins, including 4 at the Masters, 3 at the U.S. Open, 3 at the Open Championship, and 4 PGA Championships. Being the PGA Tour Player of the Year 11 years is going to be difficult for anyone to do ever again. If they even can. That's the smartest thing I've ever heard anyone say about anything. All right, now we're going to move on to the present mulligan, which is run by you, the fans. We're going to answer your questions that you sent in this week. Yeah. All right, the first question we got is from Al in Orange County, who asks, what are your thoughts on taking the laser technology used in tennis that shows whether the ball was in or out on the line? and taking it into baseball to create the robot umpire. Strike three call. Mike Redmond is on his way out. I think he got tossed because you can't question balls and strikes, so now he's just going to get his money's worth. Well, as a pitcher myself, I love the idea of a straightforward strike zone, you know, less arguing. Alvarez takes a fastball for a strike that was off his shoelaces. And now Corey Blazer has thrown Ken Hurdle out of the game. Plus, it would rid the idea of having a pitcher or hitter umpire sometimes an umpire shows up and you're like ah crap it's a hitter umpire or it's like oh this guy's a big strike zone thank god but there's been a lot of discussion about this and the concern comes into how you adjust those strike zones based on height and stance of each different unique hitter not all, all umpires are good at it but it seems people trust them to make the adjustments more than the technology. You know, they invented automatic transmission and people still drive manual. It's going to happen. You know, you show me the algorithm and how it adjusts each hitter, and just a little demonstration's all I need, and I'm on board. We have the technology. All right, moving on to the second question. Question number two. Good day to you, sir. And for our second question, it comes from Kristen in New York, and she has a question for our NBA expert, Ben Huff. So we're going to put Ben right on the spot here. Hey, Ben, how you doing? Good, how are you? Oh, we're hanging in there over here. So uh, Kristen asks you, should the Cavs trade Kevin Love, and how does it affect LeBron's free agency either way? Yeah, probably. 
Well, I would say they should trade Love if they're going to get Butler or Porzingis now that Butler's um, in in Minnesota and then Porzingis is unlikely to be traded. Now I say no, even if they can get Paul George because um, he's only going to be a rental player basically because he wants to be in L.A. Uh, back home. So I believe that they should just keep him. Right. I agree. I agree that I think it's best for them to keep them. I see it as kind of a, they only have one year kind of left anyway. The NBA draft went in my mind. And I'd have to see what they're getting back in a two-way score defender before I signed off on that. I mean, if it really made that much salary room or not. So I agree with you there. Now, brought up the NBA draft there that happened on Thursday. To me, it looked like this draft harped on what we've talked about before. A lot of teams trying to get the youngest, quickest guys with a high ceiling you know, even if they have a low floor to play against the Warriors. Uh, you're going to need Transition D to play them, it looks like. So, uh, you know, 16 freshmen, to be exact, went in the first round. New record. So, uh, uh, who do you think were the real winners and losers in this draft? And we'll start with winners. The winning. The winners, I got uh, the Timberwolves, of course, making that big trade uh, for Butler and only giving up uh, Levine. you got to be freaking kidding me. Uh, and Dunn. Right. And it's a good part for the Bulls because they always liked Chris Dunn in the beginning of last year from that draft, so they got picked him. But now they have their starting five is Rubio, Wiggins, Butler, Yang, and Anthony Towns. And now that they drafted uh, Justin Patton from Creighton, that's just another great piece that they can have to um, kind of boost their bench. Right, and you know, I'm sorry for the little rant I'm about to go on here, but... Want to talk about it, champ? Yes, Jimmy Butler was signed through 2020 at 18 mil a year. But this was going to be a big one in Chicago instead of a big three or four. After next year, 31-year-old guard Rajon Rondo, 35-year-old guard Dwayne Wade all become free agents. This is a team that was exactly 500. You know, they went 41 and 41. They were an eight seed, tied with the Heat for the eight seed, faced Celtics first round. And after this trade, all the Bulls fans freaked out, like, how are they going to win next year? It's an easy answer. They won't. And they weren't going to with Butler, but... Maybe they win a few more games with Butler and actually lose the lottery spot, which could hurt them. And You know, they put themselves, in my mind, in this spot with their stupid moves that they've made over the last two, three years. And there hasn't been as much criticism for those moves. Signing Rondo and Wade kept them, like, at that mediocre line, just good enough to barely make the playoffs. And, you know, the fans didn't give them too much grief for that. And adding Robin Lopez at center, which I'm not a big fan of. You know, that's just more of a personal thing for me because I like the quick big center that can do a little bit of everything but it kind of you know it's 29 year old center now that kind of kept them at mediocre and it and begins when i really look at it they also blamed tom thibodeau for this and fired him and now he's got jimmy butler and the timberwolves you know and it all adds up to them trading nurkic and gary harris for doug mcdermott he was supposed to address their shooting problem didn't happen and icing on the cake was they had to have cameron payne and they even gave up an extra second-round pick to get him, and it's just the saddest thing that this move became necessary. Well, first, first I want to look at their draft pick, Ben, that everyone's hating on. Uh, Laurie Markkanen from Arizona, the center. Uh, I don't know if you got to look at him, but I think he's pretty athletic, and they, uh, they seem to think he has limited potential, and that Monk, this guard from Kentucky, who went to Charlotte at, uh, at 11, was a better fit for them. I mean, what do you think about... The center from Arizona. I love Mark Aiken. 
seeing him play in the Pac-12, he was a great player. I don't understand why everyone's freaking out because I thought that's where he should have gone at seven. And I think he will actually help out the Bulls more greatly than people think. Right, and even if, you know, they look if you had Monk and you have Morrow, Wade, Valentine, I still don't think it's enough with Jimmy there. I mean, so you add Chris Dunn at the one spot now, who they wanted last year and obviously like more than Monk. You add Levine, you add an injury, but he still has time to learn and develop. And, you know, next year Rondo and Wade leave, or you can buy out Rondo this year. And you have some cap space there. You look at this year where you might need to develop. You might have a lottery pick now, which is nice. And these Bulls fans look like they're afraid to go like on that 1999 to 2004 run in the basement again. But the, this trade did bug me. Don't don't get me wrong. You know what really grinds my gears? The, the thing that bugged me the most was that the Bulls traded a player that was so big in the community. Not that he was that good, not that he was that young, but he was so big in the city of Chicago, a player that committed to helping them all. And the sad news is that this means the Bulls were okay knowing this would affect their attendance, and you know with the high-priced seats, truly devoted fans still buying them no matter what, it's it's just a sad day that a guy that big in the community gets moved. I mean, in baseball we talk about if DiMaggio had been traded for Ted Williams, they would have probably had better career stats. And DiMaggio's brother, Dom, played on the Red Sox at the time, but they didn't do it because they were so big in the community's eyes. And same thing with like Wilt Chamberlain, Larry Bird, Isaiah Thomas, Kobe Bryant, even LeBron James. He, he chose to leave, so that's a little different. And I believe Jimmy Butler had reached that for Chicago. And, you know, if I'm a Bulls fan, I just chalk this up as the less stupid move of all the stupid moves they've done. This was the necessary move. And it's just... It's just sad to me to see everyone in Chicago be told that he's leaving and have him be told while he's out of the country in France. I mean, I'm excited for the T-Wolves, saddened for the Bulls fans, and just been disappointed for the Bulls for three years, so not much has changed. There's my rant. All right, now you can tell me what I'm done with. Yeah, I'm done with that one, Ben, so you can tell me what was wrong there or whatever, but I'm, I'm done with the Bulls fans for now. No, I, I agree with you. You made some good points. Uh, they have no made- way! less quality moves, and I think this one was the best that they could get, to be honest. Uh, the Timberwolves weren't going to give away Wiggins or Anthony Towns for him, so that's the best they can do. So, All right, well, now move, yeah, moving on to other winners, I'll lay off the Bulls fans for a little bit here. But uh, I think the Lakers, Sixers, and we both we both thought, I know we were texting about it during the draft, uh, that the Kings did a very good job adding De'Aaron Fox and trading down for more picks. Uh, now we're getting into the losers area. Uh, you have any opinions that jumped right out to you? My loser of the draft is the Trailblazers. They had three first-round picks, True. and they needed to get wing depth and kind of get rid of some bad contracts that they could kind of trade off. Um, instead, they got two centers, uh, Zach Collins and Caleb Quinn. Wow! Um, to go along with their two current centers on the roster, uh, Nurkic and uh, Leonard. So I don't see the sense in that, in drafting four centers or having four centers on the roster when you needed wing depth. Especially when so, you, yeah, you watch this draft and there were a lot of three, four hybrids, two, three hybrids going because that seems to be the new NBA. And yeah, it was very, very interesting that they already had two very athletic guys who could play the center position and why would they need more? And then I saw the Pacers do kind of a similar thing. They took TJ Leaf out of UCLA and then I can never say his name. Aniga, I can never say his name. They're center from UCLA. But they took these two guys that were told to have low ceilings, but were ready to play right away. I mean, 
do they think they're not going to trade Paul George then in your mind? I mean, I thought they'd start the rebuild right now, or apparently not. Just another mistake by the Pacers organization. Um, <laughs> they should have traded Paul George a long time ago. They had much greater offers at the last trade deadline. He could have been sent to Boston for a much greater price, but now he's paying 30 cents on the dollar. So I'm not, I'm not sure what's going on with the Pacers organization right now. I definitely am not happy with what they did. They had, they had something good going there, and they had they had a year to fix all of this, and the year's gone. So, all right, we're moving on now to one of your favorite people, Lavar Ball, who had this to say about the Lakers and his future son. With the second pick in the 2017 NBA draft, the Los Angeles Lakers select Lonzo Ball from UCLA. Lonzo Ball. It's going to take the Lakers to the playoffs his first year. Come see me when he does. All right, Ben. Is he right that the Lakers will make the playoffs next year with his son Lonzo Ball? I mean, I'm not saying he'll lead the way, but do you think the Lakers could make the playoffs? It pains me to say this as a Laker fan, but no. No, no, no. Um, uh, Lonzo is not a superstar, at least not yet. Um, with the starting lineup of Lonzo, uh, Clarkson, Ingram, Randall, and Lopez, I don't see a playoff team at all in the West. Maybe in the East, if if they were in the East, but not yet. Um, Lopez is a great center, um, but not enough to carry them in the West. Well, my way too early predictions here, you know, I'm going to go on a long shot Warriors first seed, you know. You know, I like San Antonio adding their guard from Colorado, who's more experienced. He, he can help out right away. I like the Timberwolves now. I mean, I get to rock my Ricky Rubio shirt more often now. Uh, Rockets, the Fear the Beard and the possible Chris Paul. Uh, I like the Jazz if Hayward does come back. And with their draft, I think they're still okay this year. Uh, the Thunder, Westbrook still plays here. He didn't join Harden on the Rockets after losing to them. Sorry, KD. Uh, Nuggets, I think had a great draft and Chris Paul's actually talking to them now which is kind of a cool thing in my mind to see if the Nuggets could get Chris Paul would kind of end the stereotype of LA Miami you know uh but you know I I could see the Lakers doing it after the Trailblazers draft I'm I'm a little worried about them I don't see the Clippers I see them trading Deion Jordan and uh I see them losing Paul and giving Griffin a max contract which is like the worst of everything and then, you know, I really am a huge Pelicans fan here, but Boogie Wonderland rocking a unibrow just hasn't seemed to fit so far. So, I mean, and I agree with you on the Lakers, but I still think there's a shot for them to creep up there with the Clippers falling and Trailblazers falling in my mind. I mean, do you think they have fallen enough, the Clippers and Trailblazers? I just want to ask you one question. You have the Timberwolves at third in the West, correct? Oh, yeah. Go Ricky Rubio. Oh, Oh, Man, I'm disagreeing with that. I, I think at the highest, they're going to be at the highest six. Um, I, they're still young. They you know they still need some room to grow, and I don't think their bench is all the way there to really compete in the West. I think they'll definitely make playoffs, but at the highest, at the six. Yeah, I could definitely um, see that. I'm, I'm an ambitious fan here that sees Gordon Hayward leaving and sees nothing really coming in for the Rockets right now, so I like to think that they could leapfrog that much. But, you know, the, the Thunders still did play very well and they still have Westbrook, so I agree with you on that. I'm going to shift over to the East now, which is all screwed up right now. And, you know, I the Celtics, hey, they won the East last year. People forget. They beat the Cavs in the regular season. 
You know, and the Cavs have one last hurrah here. I think this is their last year to really go for it, so might as well buy out now, Cavs. Uh, Wizards are climbing up. John Wall's really improved. The Raptors, only because I believe in DeMar DeRozan so much to lead that team. The Heat, I love that they're starting to build there with Goran Dragic and Tyler Johnson together and Whiteside. I thought they had a good draft, and they go out and get someone like a Gordon Hayward. They're they're really solid. Buck, uh, Bucks have the Greek Freak. My Knicks, I really want to root for. Their 18-year-old stud from France. They hated on Porzingis two years ago. Oh, but I, it's just, if they do trade Porzingis, I can guarantee they'll be hanging out with the Nets on the other side of town and in the bottom of the East. But it's a tough one for me to say. I would say the 76ers might finally sneak in there, though. What do you think about them? I agree. I think the Sixers um, will make the eighth seed. I think that's where they'll be. If, if, this is a big if, they stay healthy. Um, that whole team has injury problems. So hopefully we can see some exciting ball from the 76ers. Yeah, if you guys haven't seen that picture, there's a great picture if you Google it with like Ben Simmons and Okafor, and they're all like, one's in a crutch, one's in a cast, one's, yeah, it's it's pretty bad, but... Some honorable mentions there in the East for the Pistons, the Hawks, and the Hornets, who could fit in that 6-7-8 range with the Bucks, Knicks, and Sixers. Um, otherwise, I think that was a great run through the NBA. For Now we got free agency coming up, so this should be interesting to see how they settle with what I thought was a pretty exciting draft. I don't know how you felt about it, Ben. Yeah, I thought the draft was great. I think this is my favorite time of year. This is so much stuff that's going on in the NBA. I love it. Um, it's just, it's my Christmas morning kind of thing. So, um, I love the way the NBA is drifting. Um, I love the draft, and I'm really excited for next year. Awesome. Thanks for coming on, Ben. Of course, anytime. All right, now we're going to move on to our future mulligan, which is a question from Doug in Santa Clara. Doug asks, will there ever be a golfer as good as Tiger Woods? Can anyone match what he's done. What an incredible Cinderella story. This unknown comes out of nowhere to lead the pack. I'm just going to be honest with you, Doug. It's really hard. I mean, Tiger Woods was the number one golfer for 683 weeks. I mean, we read his stats earlier. I mean, to have that many championships underneath your belt is unbelievable. Looking at our future for golfers here, I mean, Brooks Kupka, who just won the U.S. Open is about 27 years old, so he's still got a lot of future left to develop and grow. Moved up to number 10 on the board. Uh, number one golfer right now is Dustin Johnson, and uh, there's this kid phenom named Christopher Stiles from California who is supposed to be the next Tiger Woods, but there was a whole story about he doesn't want to be Tiger Woods, he wants to be Chris Stiles, which I think is awesome, which feeds into the answer to your question there. I don't think anyone can be Tiger Woods. But don't worry, Doug, there's going to be plenty of good golf to watch with a lot of close matches coming up as a lot of these youth players are now starting to mix together. So what if no one can be Tiger Woods? So what? So what? So let's dance! The man's a menace! Alright, that's all the time we have this week. Thanks to my guest, Ben Huff. Thank you very much. Check out alexanderstryzak.wixsite.com slash Mulligans for full episodes. Yeah. 
Make sure to also check out on the website on Monday when we update our poll question of the week so you can be involved in next week's show. Bingo! Uh, but let me ask you this question. And until next week, fairways and greens. No mulligans. Have a good week. <laughs>